Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, October 28, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am very happy to be joined by the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, our first time talking since Ohio State's 52-17 win over Nebraska in the season opener. It's great to talk actual football with you, my friend. Your general impressions of the Buckeyes win last Saturday. I think everybody wants every game to be 70 to nothing, right? So when it doesn't happen, there's always things to nitpick. I mean, most of the listeners here, I'm assuming, read the bucket this weekend because, like we always say, they're buck nuts, not buck rational. And, uh, you know, there's some things we could pick apart. The first drive on defense is obviously a nightmare. Um, You know, the first four possessions defensively really were struggles because the first and fourth were touchdowns and the second and third were stopped largely because of mistakes made by Nebraska. But then after that, they gave up three points to the remainder of the game. I think Ohio State went on a 38-3 run to close the game. And honestly, I also was – like, it's, it's easy to say this when your team wins, but I also was moderately impressed with Nebraska. I thought they looked improved from last year. I wouldn't be surprised if they won four to six games this year on an eight-game schedule, right? So, you know, end of the day, yes, 52-17 to 17 is a – more defensive points than we want to give up. The running backs didn't get the yards we wanted to see as much, but you know, there's going to be a little bit of a slower start when it comes to replacing J.K. Dobbins. I think when you have a team that won by five touchdowns against a decent team with no warm-up games against any macrofacial lambs, at the end of the day, I think this is a really good start for OSU. As long as everybody comes out of this one healthy, which it seems like they haven't caught the Wisconsin bug when it comes to COVID testing. Hopefully, Chris Olave is able to play this weekend. I think you're going to see that big first week, second week leap from them. So I was happy with it. You know, I I think it's good for them to deal with a little bit of adversity and bounce back really strongly. Yeah, I want to ask you about Haskell, Garrett. We'll get into that in a moment. But since you mentioned Chris Olave, let's get to that first. Had a chance to ask Ryan Day about that yesterday during his media call on Zoom. And also had a chance to talk to Garrett Wilson about that. And, you know, Coach Day... So we'll see as, as the week goes on, but sounded kind of optimistic. If you're reading between the lines, he's not going to tell you what's going on about injuries, and I don't blame him. But Garrett Wilson has a pretty good source here. Somebody asked Garrett Wilson about it. It's, it's funny when the coaches are, are giving you coach speaking, the players come on like right after that, and they're just telling you whatever. But somebody asked Garrett Wilson, and Garrett Wilson just was honest. He's like, yeah, just talk to Chris. I'm supremely confident that he is going to play. And that wasn't just him giving his opinion. He said, like, I just talked to Chris Olave, and he and like he I'm supremely confident he's gonna play. So we'll see, man. I mean, that was a hard shot that he took. And you know, if it wasn't a concussion, it was damn close. Probably was a concussion. But you know, as we sit here right now, Wednesday morning, if I had to guess, and this is just a guess, I think Chris Olave is gonna play this Saturday in Happy Valley. 
Yeah, I would too. And that was a scary hit. It looked like this is a, your classic. He got his bell rung hit. And it's one of those things where like all of us who love football, that's still a scary play because every single one of us, if you're being remotely honest with yourself, has in the back of your mind concern about the long-term health of these guys from so many head blows. Right. And that's just part of playing a man ball sport like football. Right. But seeing Chris Olave go down, I'm glad he didn't go back on the field. I want him to play this week because Ohio state's better with him. You just have to be optimistic that maybe it wasn't a concussion. Maybe he just got stunned. I don't know. Um, but you know, when there's, you start messing with concussions, the simple truth is, is that you shouldn't mess with concussions. And if he can't play this weekend, you know, uh, I'd be surprised because it sounds like they're ready for him to play. Uh, hopefully he doesn't have any symptoms of a concussion. So then that I'm not, I'm not the doctor who's examining him. So you know, that you have to factor all that in. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, if Chris Olave does play, Ohio State has the best receiving tandem maybe in college football, probably at this point in all of college football with Jalen Waddle's unfortunate injury down at Alabama. Name a team that has two better receivers than Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. You can't. So this is a huge weapon for Ohio State against a Penn State team that showed some flaws last week uh, in a stunning, stunning upset at Indiana. And if Chris Olave plays, it's just another reason to feel confident that OSU is going to essentially put Penn State out of the title running with a potential win this weekend. Well, I'm glad that you're not the doctor looking over Chris Olave because now he has a much better chance of playing that (laughs) Dr. Bax is not looking over him. Hey, let's get into Haskell Garrett. This is such a cool story, and it finally seems to be getting some steam. I mean, as I keep saying, this shouldn't just be like a story that's on ESPN, which it's not or even FS1, which it's not. It should be like on 60 Minutes. I mean, this is a kid that got shot in the face less than two months ago, plays for a national powerhouse, is out there tearing it up. I didn't even think he'd play to begin Mm -hmm. the season, and I'm so happy to be wrong that he's even playing. And if you told me he was going to play, I'd be like, that is just fantastic news. The fact that he went out there and dominated backs, that was so great. And um, we had a chance to talk with Haskell Garrett yesterday. was really cool. Patrick Murphy did a really good story on Bucknuts. Make sure you get on there and read it, whether you're a subscriber or not. It's a free story, so you can get on Bucknuts.com and read our story on Haskell Garrett, written by Pat Murphy. But, Bax, what a cool story. In my opinion so far, we're a little bit biased here, a little bit. It's the story of college football so far. Yeah, I would say the only story bigger than it in college football right now is the potential Wisconsin COVID outbreak that could undermine their whole season. Um this is the sort of thing that should be like up next on college game day, Tom Rinaldi goes in depth with Haskell Garrett, who was shot def- breaking up a domestic altercation, protecting a woman from domestic violence and came back, not just to play, but dominated on the opening day for the Buckeyes. And that's one of those like tear jerking things. They find the girl who was getting beaten up and everything. You know, the doctors come in, you get the whole story. This should be literally one of those stories. This should be the biggest uh, success of this college football season is that Haskell Garrett's playing and much less just playing. He was the best defensive lineman in my eyes during that game for Ohio state. He made the critical defensive play in my opinion in that game, which was a very important sack on the fifth series where Nebraska had generally had their way the first four series and Haskell Garrett went out and he sacked uh, the quarterback for Nebraska And it totally set them back. And that led to the first what felt like earned punt for that Buckeye defense. So this is an enormous story. This is a guy who was a team leader, even before getting shot. And I don't know how you get shot through the face 
and you're able to wear a helmet and take all the impact on your jawline. Like if you've ever played football, you know that when you hit people, the, the muscles on the back of your jaw feel like you just chewed up a whole box of milk duds, right? Those are important muscles to be able to impact people with your face, much less if you're playing defensive line. It's not like he's a punter here. So it's incredible that he's physically able to even do that, right? Much less go out and be awesome while he's on the field. Like we've all been concerned about the defensive tackle position the last couple of weeks because we didn't know about Teron Vincent, whether he'd be able to play. We certainly didn't think that Haskell Garrett was going to be able to play. And now look what happened. So, yeah, this is a gigantic story. This should be the non-COVID story of college football this year. And I hopefully want to have one of these points, the opportunity to see that Tom Rinaldi story. You may actually get me to flip away from the big, new, the big, ten, or the big Fox preview show and actually make me watch game day again uh, if you actually did that story, Tom Rinaldi. So if you're listening in, there's your story. It's an easy one. It's a layup. Do it. That's the only way in the world that I would turn off Big Noon Kickoff, a.k.a. the Urban Meyer Show featuring Urban Meyer, starring Urban Meyer with Urban Meyer to turn on College Game Day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah, right? Uh, Owned by Urban Meyer. Um, I mean, College Game Day is terrible. It's flat-out terrible compared to – and Urban's great, but even like Reggie Bush is really good on there. Brady Quinn's good. Yep. Matt Leinart. Reggie Bush is fantastic. Like it, Their weakest know. link is better than almost anybody on game day. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, game day, you know, was the inventor of this. And there will always be something cool in college game day, which they're going to Cappy Valley this week. There will always be a place for that. But big noon kickoff. Now, if Urban goes back to coaching, good luck. But right now, big noon kickoff is He's the, the premier star of college football media. Yeah. No he, yeah. Yeah. And if you're out there, you're looking for a good, you know, college football pregame show and you're just so used to watching, you know, ESPN college game day. I highly recommend. I have no dog in the fight here. I highly recommend big noon kickoff on Fox, their pregame show. It's fantastic. And they've expanded from 11 until noon to 10 to noon. So they added an extra hour this year. All right, let's get hey, in. Dave, let me ask you one more thing about Go ahead. That, Go ahead. It feels like game day is jumping the shark by going to the Masters in a couple weeks. Did you see that? I did not see that. You're breaking news to me here on the show Wednesday. Dude, they literally are going, I think it's November 14th, which I don't know how bad the games must be that weekend that they're going to a golf tournament. But they're literally broadcasting live from the Masters, which – like that's cool and all that strikes me as like Herbie and, 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 and company being like, Hey, yeah, this is great. Can we golf over here? But like you're a college football pregame show and you're at a golf course. Like I get, it's one of the great sporting scenes in America and the masters is weirdly in November this year, but I just, it feels like, you know, for a football pregame show, like they're not doing this from the world series. You know what I mean? They're doing it like from either military or like they did it on a, like a, one of the Navy ships once. And that was the most like non-football setting I can remember. But all the naval like, officers and all, the, all, the, all the, the, the middies on the ship were there with like, you know, Navy flags and stuff. So there was at least a football tie-in. Why are we going to a golf course? Like I just, it feels like, like one of these things where they're like, just they're so big. They're so like out of touch with it that they're like, we can do whatever. Like, the next one's on top of the Empire State Building or something. Like, it's just, who the heck knows at this point? But I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't like that at all. I mean, trust me, the Masters will get plenty of pub. There'll be plenty of coverage of the Masters. College football, we didn't think we were going to get it for a while. 
and yeah, you, you know, if you're a golf fan, you're probably thinking, we don't think we're gonna get the masters for a while. I get that. But uh, yeah, it, as I said, you're breaking news to me. I had not heard that, but I do not like that at all. Another thing I don't like backs is the big 10 protocols. And this is nothing new. This isn't like, you know, we're just learning about this. We knew there were these landmines were in place as Jay book said on the show a month ago, when they put these in place, these booby traps that they put in, mm-hmm. like we'll give you your football, but yeah, good luck getting the season in everywhere else in society. If you come down with the COVID virus, it's 10 to 14 days and the big 10, somehow it's 21 days. They've got the 5% threshold. It's ridiculous. And now you look at, as you mentioned earlier, Graham Mertz at Wisconsin has tested positive for COVID. And then it wasn't a false positive because he tested positive again. Their backup quarterback, which is really their third string quarterback, is Jack Cohn, who was going to be their starting quarterback, is out for a while. Even if he came back, I don't think he'd be their starting quarterback if Graham Mertz was healthy. But now they're going to be down to their fourth string quarterback if they're even able to play this week against Nebraska. So already we're heading into week two of the Big Ten, and the bleep has hit the fan. You know, if I'm like, you know, Christina Johnson and some of the big hitters in the Big Ten, I say, you know, we yeah, we agreed to that. Guess what? We're going to go back on that. We're going to say it's more like 14 days. We're going to go back on some of those protocols. And what would what would the Big Ten do about it? You know, what, what would they even do about it? Because follow the medical science. If Dr. Borchers from big from Ohio State says this is the way to go, I'm with him. There's no way he would say that. This was a compromise that they made just to get football. And I'm not here for it at all. I'm curious to get your thoughts, Bax. I think it's like people want to talk about we need to follow the science, right? The science says that it's it's not just 14 days, it's 10 days now, according to the CDC, right? For quarantining if you test positive. Um, they generally seem to believe that it's difficult to spread if you after you've shown symptoms, right? And then it generally, be, you become, like, I can get into all the details of, like, what level of viral load you'd receive, but the, the end of the day is it doesn't match any of the science. And J-Book's 100% right. This is a big old booby trap trying to knock football season out halfway through. Because think about it. If you're a quarterback and you get COVID and your backup gets COVID and your starter has a broken leg, that leaves you with your fourth stringer, who has the hilarious name of Vandenboom, by the way. Like, it's like an MTV movie name or something. But, like, uh, at, the, at the end of the day, it's a 21-day quarantine or 21 days where you can return. You're missing three games. Do they have a fifth quarterback? Like, like are they going to just, like, start just straight up running the, the Wildcat offense with Wisconsin's team if they have – their quarterback get hurt. Like this is the sort of thing that can dive bomb a team. And they have that 5% threshold that is asinine because that literally means if you have 110 people in your program and you have six people with COVID, right. That you have to shut your program down for two weeks or whatever the heck it is. The big 10 COVID protocols are like shrink wrap bubble around a bunch of athletes that already statistically are extraordinarily unlikely to end up getting negative major results from having COVID. If you look at things like death rates and, 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 and people who are hospitalized under the age of 25. So all that aside, I mean, even looking at it like that, this also completely screws the big 10, right? So like we can talk about health, but it also screws the race because after the first week, the best looking team in the West was Wisconsin, right? Now Wisconsin's looking at playing Nebraska, Michigan, and I forget who the other game is, with their fourth-string quarterback. And they don't have a dominant running game with Jonathan Taylor this year. So you may have a situation where Wisconsin loses a couple games here, misses the Big Ten championship because of it, and then their quarterback comes back and he bombs people the last four games, 
And we're all sitting here looking at Wisconsin like, that was a good team, right? Like, how do you evaluate that team? They went one and two with their fourth string quarterback and six and zero with everybody else or whatever, right? Then you're going to have arguments saying, well, you know, Wisconsin should be the fourth seed in the college football playoff now because we didn't get a chance to see them clean, right? And meanwhile, other conferences, just like the Big Ten always plays nine conference games and the other leagues only play eight, these other conferences don't have these sort of restrictions. Nick Saban got COVID on a Sunday and was cleared to play by Saturday, to coach by Saturday, right? Like, it's just not the same protocol. And honestly, if you can take three negative tests in a row once you've had a positive test, it means you're clear. So Graham Mertz and company may sit around twiddling their thumbs for two weeks, according to other leagues that will be letting them play. And this is just to try to make the little ninnies who are the ones trying to stop the Big Ten from playing football this year happy. Uh, whether you think it was the Rutgers president or the Michigan president or whoever you want to blame for it, it's an idiotic, non-scientific setup that is 100% correctly called out by Jay Book as a bunch of booby traps. So we just have to pray to God nobody Ohio State plays has COVID and that none of the Buckeyes catch COVID because they're calling these forfeits if you can't play, right? So well, no, no contest. You win forfeit. Yeah, no, right. No contest. Yeah. Right. It's a no contest, right? So it's not like they can reschedule it. But flip side is this was the stuff the original Big Ten schedule planned for. They said, hey, let's build in like four bye weeks in case this exact crap happens. And then they decided to try to cancel the season and be idiots. And then now that we're back to here, we have no leeway built in whatsoever. This is all on the president's stupidity. So if we end up having a wacky Big Ten championship where somebody like Purdue is 5-0 and and has a couple games canceled against them because of COVID outbreaks, then, you know, it, it, there's nobody else to blame but the conference leaders themselves. And you may end up not having the best teams in the Big Ten championship because of COVID protocols. It's stupid. The good news is we're only three days away from Ohio State at Penn State, we think, as long as stuff doesn't hit the fan. But uh, let's just, you know, let's just be positive here. I mean, so far, everything with Ohio State and Penn State is uh, on track. Let's get down to brass tacks here. The Buckeyes are favored by 13. I think when it first came out, it was like Ohio State by 10 and a half. Then it shot to 11 and a half. Then it was 12 and a half. Last time I checked backs this morning, it was Buckeyes by 13. No whiteout conditions. What's your early prediction for the game three nights from now? Well, so here's the thing. Like, we all want to sit here and say, oh, Penn State lost last week to Indiana. It was Indiana's first top 10 win since 1987. Ha, 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 right? We can do all that if we really want. But that's not what we should be doing here, if you want my opinion. I think the answer to this is, is that Penn State outgained Indiana in that game by, like, 250 yards, right? And if it wasn't for, like, turnovers – and some really bad luck, and honestly, a two-point conversion that I don't think really got in. Um, like, the camera angle wasn't on the goal line. It looked like the ball touched down out of bounds. Penn State probably escapes. The other kicker to this is, is that in a normal year, I would have predicted Indiana to win nine games. They won eight last year. They don't suck. Like, that's actually a decent Indiana team. So it's not a horrible loss like losing to Indiana would have been five years ago, right? Um, but at the end of the day, Penn State is missing Michael Parsons, who is their best player at any position. Penn State is missing Journey Brown, who was the guy who rang up like 250 rush yards last year against Memphis in the Cotton Bowl. Um, it was just announced yesterday that uh, they lost uh, Kane, who was their back, who was their starter in place of Journey Brown, 
which leaves them with Devin Ford, who is their third string guy. It was the one who was supposed to take a knee on the one yard line who scored accidentally in the last game to give Indiana a chance in the first place as their starting running back. Their best, their, their quarterback right now is Sean Clifford, who I utterly refuse to believe is going to be good enough for them to beat top 10 teams with. I do not see it with him. He is a decent runner. He's not a great passer. And outside of Pat Fryermuth, who Pete Warner shadowed exceptionally well last year in the horseshoe, they don't really have many great receiving weapons. Um, I don't see this Penn State team as offensively gifted enough to stay with Ohio State. Uh, I also see them as missing their absolute – Michael Parsons was as important to that Penn State defense as Justin Fields may be to the Ohio State offense. Parsons is a top 15 pick on a defense that Penn state hasn't had a first round pick on defense in something like 10 years, I believe. So he's a big deal to be out. Then they don't have their home crowd where, you know, the odds makers say three points is usually what the home advantage is. Something like the whiteout is often like seven points, right? I just, I think Ohio state after getting them, their, their defense sort of lined up the way they need to be after some struggles with Nebraska, I don't think Penn State has the offense to really do much here. And I don't think their defense outside of, uh, was it Shaka Tony at defensive end, who is an absolute terror. I don't think they have enough on that defense to really be able to handle this passing game. If you keep Justin Fields remotely upright, Ohio State's going to succeed at throwing the ball. But I, I also don't think Penn State really has a great run defense. Um, at the end of the day, Penn State, I think, coming into the year, if they had been fully healthy, I would have very much believed was a top 10 team and a contender. But they're missing some of their most important parts. They're coming off of a bad loss. Their backs are against the wall. And Ohio State is flat out better. So I think Ohio State's going to go to Penn State. And I know you're 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 risking the, uh, the wrath of, of the football gods here by saying something like this because so many of these games are so close. It's all these one-point games here and there, overtime games here and there. Even last year was a game where Ohio State won by double digits, but it really didn't feel like it because they had a big lead and then they blew it and let Penn State back into it before holding on. Um, I think Ohio State's going to go to Penn State, and I think they're going to win this game emphatically. And the reason I say that is all the stuff that I've just mentioned, I just think Ohio State's flat out better, and they have, they have all their horses. Penn State doesn't right now. That's the bottom line to me. Yeah, I have this one 38 to 20 Ohio State. I just, you know, I'm that betting line continues to go up, up, up. Like I mentioned, it was 10, now it's 11, or then it was 11, now it's up to 13 and a half. So I like Ohio State in this one. We'll see. It's Penn State always brings their A game against the Buckeyes, as I mentioned all the time. Penn State looks at Ohio State as their main rival. The Buckeyes, of course, do not reciprocate. Obviously, we know who Ohio State's rival is. But, uh, yeah, I think Ohio State's going to take care of business. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I think the Buckeyes will win comfortably 38-20. to 20. Great stuff from Matt Baxendell. You can catch his award-winning column every Sunday. It is the bucket. Thanks again to Bax, and thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning into the show. Again, if you like the show, leave us a five-star review and subscribe. It really helps. Have a great day, Bucknutters. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 